Are you longing for a fresh encounter with God and His Word? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of the More To Be podcast, and I'm here to help you experience that fresh encounter. I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. Before we jump into today's episode, don't forget to check out our coaching and Bible study resources and programs, as well as courses available at More To Be. Your financial support underwrites this podcast. On today's episode, I'm excited to have a fellow writer and a friend and acquaintance from across the miles. We have been in the same circles for a while. I have with me today, Amber Leah. Welcome, Amber. Thank you, Lisa. I've been looking forward to this for a while. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) We've had to reschedule a couple times for various reasons. So life, life happens. (laughs) Life happens because your life is not as a full-time writer or a full-time mama or a full-time wife or a full-time anything. You are juggling many hats full-time, right? Yes, that's true. So tell us um, a little bit about your story and your your life like who makes up your life what do you spend your time doing and and what led to your passion to write this book that we're going to talk about and cover this topic on marriage triggers so i'd love to kind of hear the backstory into uh where you find yourself today okay great well so amber leah and i live in southern california in the los angeles area with my husband my boys are actually fifth generation los angeleans which is kind of a thing because This is a melting pot where lots of people come from all over the world, but we are uh, longtime, you know, Californians and especially in Los Angeles. So um, Guy and I, my husband, live here with our four boys. Our oldest, Oliver, is almost 13. And then we've got Quinn, who's 10, and Oakley, who's eight, and Quaid, our happy surprise, is three years old. (laughs) So we live here. And my husband, when I met him, was working in the entertainment industry And we've been kind of on a zigzag journey away from that and then back to it, kind of like a boomerang. Um, Mm. And so long story short, Guy and I started a faith and family friendly TV and film production company here in Los Angeles a few years ago. So that's our, one of our main focuses, really our true heartbeat. But um, I had been an English teacher, high school literature, college level literature, language teacher for 10 years. And so I started writing just for my own cathartic experience uh, on a blog a few years ago, and that's led to a ministry, first and foremost, um, helping, working with moms who struggle with anger and frustration, and had written some books in the parenting space and some Bible study books for parents to do with kids, and eventually, we just heard from readers over and over again who were really making progress in their lives as parents toward more gentle biblical parenting away from angry reactions with their kids. But they were often saying to me, Amber, I just, I still really struggle with my marriage though. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these principles apply to marriage, but it'd be great to have something specific for marriages. And our first book, um, Triggers for Parenting, I co-wrote with my good friend, Wendy Speak. And same thing, she was hearing lots of people um, requesting something for marriages. And so I really didn't want to write this book (laughs) Um, because I had been through with my own husband, Guy, just a lot of ups and downs. And we had a very difficult time early on. And we had actually said in our vows, uh, loud and clear for all of our guests to hear, I will not divorce you. 
we said that as part of our wedding vow, which mm. doesn't sound very romantic at all, but it was, um, we knew that we would be tried and tested over yep. the years. And then it may not even be big things. It could just be all those little things that trigger us. And sure enough, that's what happened. And so we had that vow in place because we knew we'd probably need it. And we did. But we've weathered those storms. We have more that we're currently going through. And yet the Lord has been faithful to us to help us handle these everyday triggers in mm. our own marriage. And so I finally yielded to the Lord's prompting <laughs> to write marriage triggers. And so we cover 31 of some of the more common triggers toward anger after a lot of years of research and talking with couples and our own experiences mm -hmm. and have compiled them into this book. So I trust that there's a lot of um, biblical insights in there that are good for every relationship, mm -hmm. no matter what you're going through, but that's how we landed on marriage triggers. And, and I knew that guy was obviously the right man for writing this book with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that were story. there any triggers that came out of writing the book together? Uh, writing a marriage book together is a trigger. Yeah, sure. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. that sounds yeah. as big as you can get, probably. Yeah, and you know, Guy and I, our lives are pretty unusual in that we do spend a lot of time together because mm -hmm. we have our production company together and we take lots of meetings together and we, we parent together and we both work from home mostly. So we spend a lot of time together. There are lots of opportunities to be triggered. But um, when you're writing a book, it's a whole new thing. And, and for Guy, it was his first time. So it was a very much a new experience. And yet we actually felt a lot of God's grace that the writing process for us was pretty smooth. Um, we were able to really form a team. And we talk about teamwork a lot in the book mm -hmm. that when we can try to get as much as we can on the same page with one another and have a lot of good communication and empathy and compassion for one another, it re resolves a lot of our triggers. So we had to really walk our talk in writing yeah. this book. <laughs> yeah, no, I com completely can completely understand it. So you know, my backstory is my greatest struggle has been anger. Um, mm -hmm. And having come out of a abusive childhood, I'm third generation abused, first generation yes. freed. Uh, yes. And Amen. so that, that trigger marked my um, early parenting. Uh, it, yes. it marked my marriage for sure. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, and I could, I could tell a hundred different stories of, of how that erupted. For, for me, the transformational piece to address my, like the, the fuel that was keeping my anger going was the the hardness of my heart and the bitterness mm -hmm. and the resentment and the shame that I had stored up in it, which going um, into counseling and finding out from a counselor that I had PTSD, post-traumatic yeah. stress disorder, yeah. and that was being triggered by the ages of my kids yes. as I watched them interact with my husband, actually, and started recognizing what was missing in my childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, really began the process. And it, it wasn't, you know, I talk about this all the time that counseling changed everything. It's counseling through the work of the Holy Spirit in right. me that changed everything. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So as my counselor asked me, like, where was Jesus in this? And what does God have to say about this? And what is he calling you to do in response to these feelings and these experiences? I was able to really have the support of a counselor to walk through the process of forgiving my parents. Yeah. And so that was a decade ago. 
oh, well, yeah, Leah's 20. So that was a decade ago. And I could see the significant transformation in my life within about a year. And within two to three years, my children were able to recognize there's old mommy and there's new mommy. Yes. And so, you know, but at that time I thought, okay, so I won't get triggered anymore. Like I dealt Mm. with it. I won't get triggered anymore. But the truth of the matter is triggers don't go away. No, no. You know, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, Lisa, because this, the reason that I wrote the parenting triggers book is because I, like you had gone through a difficult, challenging childhood and was starting to repeat some of those patterns that so many of us swear we'll never do. Oh yeah. And then we find ourselves doing. Yeah. And it, what happened was we didn't address in, in any of the triggers books, we don't address how to change the people around you or your circumstances so that you no longer have to be triggered. What we want people to understand and recognize is that the triggers are going to happen. It's going to take a childhood to train a child. It's going to take a lifetime of commitment to your spouse for you to continue to grow and be refined. So our circumstances are not necessarily going to change, at least not initially, but we have to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our outlook and our attitude when we are triggered. So instead of reacting, we're responding in a way that's gentle and biblical. So every single trigger is an opportunity for growth. And it's also a signal that either our kids need more um, teaching, training, or maturing to do. Or with our spouse, we have some more communication we need to work on. Or I have something in me that I need to be refined. And we give you very practical, specific, and biblically-based ways to do that. So you're not on your own. We don't want it to be very ethereal. We want it to be really, really practical. But you're right. This is not about eliminating triggers from our lives. This is truly about how do we respond to those. And the impact, the blessing that comes from that, because blessing always follows obedience. Oh, when yes. we're obedient to God and when our kids are obedient to us and when we honor our spouses, there's always blessing that's going to come from that. But that's the, the, the gravy. That's the icing on the cake. Yeah. The real blessing is that we develop a, a peace and a unity and a relationship with the Lord that is stronger than we could ever imagine because of our triggers. So triggers yeah. can actually be blessings. Yeah, yeah, because they they expose. A trigger is um, like a light that shines in on a deeper issue that right. still yet needs to be resolved. And yes. you know, walking that road is so challenging. In the, I love that you said react and respond because in the coach training course I teach, I forget which session it is. I should know after seven years. But uh, <laughs> one of the sessions, uh, we talk about helping a client be responsive and responsible instead yes. of reacting. And so right. one of the ways to become a responsive person instead of a reactive person is taking the time to reflect and think about why did what's bothering me, what hurts, what feels uncomfortable, what's making me afraid, what is causing the behavior because yes. anger is just a secondary emotion. I mean, it is, right. it is revealing an issue that's happening below the surface. And if Correct. we only try to manage the anger and we don't deal with the heart of the matter, we're not going to ever get, get ahead and, and not grow. So right. you, what would you, I mean, if you have anything you want to add to that, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So in a real practical way, what yeah. that looks like is, for example, 
um, you were saying, you know, if we notice that we're reacting to triggers a lot um, with our spouse, there's a couple of things that really just every single time we explode. And anger doesn't always look like exploding. Sometimes it's retreating. Sometimes it's giving yeah. people the cold shoulder. So whether you're aggressive or you're passive or however that looks, um, whether you're very emotional or you clam up, whatever mm. you notice continues to be a pattern and a trigger in your life, then that is that signal. That's that time where you do need to stop and take some time and have some discipline mm -hmm. to reflect. Why is this? Ask yourself a couple questions. Why is this a trigger? Oh, with my kids, it's every time we need to leave the house and nobody has their shoes on or what they need and we have to mm -hmm. go back in the house and I just get angry because I hate being late. Um, if that's the issue or if it's with your spouse, every single time it's time to pay the bills, we clash over finances. Yeah. And I find out that he's spent these things and I didn't realize it or whatever the case may be. So if you see sort of these patterns, these yeah. big triggers, then, then that is the signal and that's the time for you to go, okay, at least once a month with my spouse or every you know, weekend with my kids, I need to look back and reflect on the week or the month and identify where are some of these really major trigger points, trigger moments, trigger issues. Mm -hmm. And then you need to be purposeful to, to set a plan. But I never do any of that without being very prayerful. I always yeah. start with prayer. Lord, we're having trouble getting out the door. I need you to give me wisdom and discernment to know how to handle this situation with my kids. Because I, I want us to go into the car peaceful. I want to have a ride um, to church or to school or wherever we're going that is a blessing to us before we leave each other for the day. Yeah. Um, when I go over bills with my spouse, I want it to be a time where we get to rejoice over God's provision for us yeah. and make a good plan and put it in place. That's not happening. So Lord, we yeah. come to you. All of, all of this belongs to you. You promised that you're going to give us wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, and so I need your practical ideas and I need your peace over this and soften yeah. our hearts. Start with prayer. And then when you're doing that once a week or you're doing that once a month with your spouse, really listen and, and get in tune with the ideas that the Lord puts on your heart. Um, for me, I just, was did not aesthetically want a basket by my front door with a bunch of shoes in it but the shoe issue was a nightmare and the kids were they were all over the place it was making this light but i was like i'm just gonna resolve if this is the easier thing to do then i'm gonna try it you know and try a yeah. few things don't just quit if you try something and it doesn't work so i'm getting the basket and i'm putting all the shoes by the front door even though i don't love the way it looks it's okay it's helping us keep everything contained so we're getting out the door a little bit easier you know, whatever it may be, you, you have to really look at those triggers, ask the Lord to soften your heart, give you wisdom, but then put some practical things in place. And then also spiritually in that moment with the kids or with my spouse over finances, I choose one verse for each trigger that I'm experiencing. Yep. And then I, I put that thing on my phone as a reminder, I'm writing it up on my whiteboard yeah. that I have in our dining room. I put that up there for a reason. So I could put verses up there or whatever. And then, and that's my meditation for that month. You know, mm -hmm. that's the verse I'm meditating on. Okay. So I'm, I'm snapping at my kids when we're getting out the door or it's that I want a verse on patience. You know, maybe it's a verse on kindness being on my tongue. So in addition to the practical thing with the shoe basket or the meeting, mm -hmm. that's a coffee date on Saturday mornings to go over bill paying with my husband. So it's something to look forward to. I'm also got this Bible verse right in front of me because we want to grow spiritually in that mm. moment along with the practical. 
but we have to be intentional, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. really about being intentional because the, the, the only other option, Lisa, is that we just live triggered and in the yes. chaotic anger aftermath. I don't want, I didn't want to do that anymore. I don't want to no. live like that. I'm no. getting there's some readers who don't want to live like that anymore. Yeah. So pick, pick a day and a time to reflect, think through what are the big triggers, invite the Holy Spirit to help you trust that he's going to give you some good ideas and choose a Bible verse that specifically relates to that, that trigger yeah. and then live it out at, invite the Holy spirit to help you live that out in those moments. That's yeah. the only way transformation comes, but it's a beauty when it does. Oh, it is a beauty when it does. And I think I would add to that practical that we get into ruts. So we get into ruts with our kids and we get into ruts with our spouse. We can get into ruts with our extended family member of of yes. even though we want to live present, the, the water under the bridge is still flooding our feet, you know? Yes. And, and so there are times that with our kids, I always found I could do like a reset when they were little, be like, okay, mm. circle around the table, a time of confession. Like, this is yes. where I screwed up. I don't want to handle it this way anymore. We're going to call this a clean slate. This is the expectations going forward. But I find um, as my kids age, so now they're 20, 18, and the twins are 14, that reset isn't as easy with, with young adults into, it's true. Mm -hmm. into our peers and our right. spouse, you know, our spouse, yeah. that for some reason, the mind is really good about remembering the wounds. Yes, and the enemy is fantastic at camping around that. And, yeah. and, and causing that root of bitterness to just That's right. drill down, drill down, drill down. Mm -hmm. So there are times that we have to get a third party involved, whether that that would be a pastor or a counselor, um, occasionally a coach, depends on what yes. the needs are, to help us hear each other better. Um, and actually for yes. us, we are meeting with a one couple uh, we were part of a larger small group. They were going through a particular need that was very mm. um, personal. And we made a commitment to meet with them. And they, I'm pointing to where they sit when we're together in the room. <laughs> they can speak truth to us that mm. we can't speak to each other for some reason. Mm -hmm. And yes. so that time, we joke that we're, none of us are therapists, but it's counseling. Like yes. it is it because the body can be that for each other. Yes. When we come before the Lord with this humble and repentant heart that says, Hey, I want to know my sin so I can own it, confess yes. it and ask for your forgiveness for it, Lord, and then move forward. And then we can work together in that bill pay situation or the getting yeah. out of the house situation. Once we know that, there, the hardened feelings are not, are not there ready to just flare up again, yeah. flare up again. Yeah. And, and in, in marriage triggers, we have a, a chapter about when, when life's too busy, just when you're too busy, you're just pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, sure. And one of the points in that chapter that we emphasize is encouraging people to continue to be plugged in and involved at a solid Bible teaching church Yeah, because community is so important. When you are part of a church community and you're able to be in a small group or develop a relationship with other couples and you have the ability to, you know, know leadership at your church and to get involved yeah. and to, to volunteer, you're really sharing your lives with them. But the Bible calls us to carry one another's burdens yeah. and to so yeah. fulfill the law of Christ. And 
when you're not helping carry somebody else's burden, you are robbing them of rest. Yeah. And when you're not allowing somebody else to carry your burden, you you are robbing yourself of some of that peace because other people are there to help carry that with you. Mm. And so it's really, really important to, to be a blessing to other people by helping to carry their burdens and Mm. to bless other people by allowing them to carry some of yours. And so, you know, we can, we can read the books. The books are awesome. And, um, you know, we can listen to the podcasts and all that, but none of that is a substitute for what God calls us to do, which is not to neglect meeting together Yeah, because that community face-to-face time, the hands and feet of Jesus to one another is so important. So I couldn't agree with you more being involved in church counseling, um, seeing a, a licensed therapist, Yes, but whatever you know, you need to do, maybe this is a a little wake up call to you to just make that step to make a call or, or set up an appointment or find a church that you can attend to find that community. It's so, it's so good that you said that. And it's so hard because I see, I see so many women that are, are trapped in shame over their struggle and and shame over the state of their marriage and they don't want to maybe dis, you know, disrespect their yeah. spouse by admitting that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I, I spoke at a women's retreat and I, by the end of the retreat weekend, I, I got up there on Sunday morning. I'm like, listen, y'all of you have come up to me, probably three quarters of the women there are saying, I need to tell you something, but I can't have you tell anybody else because nobody mm-hmm. here knows. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh-uh. Like, I am not the solution to your problem. You need to walk together in your struggle and, and stop this isolation that happens because of shame. Oh, Lisa, I couldn't agree with you more. When I, when I started blogging, I was invited to start a Facebook group for moms who struggle with anger and yelling. And the reason I didn't want to do it was partly, and I talk about this when I do a lot of speaking engagements around the country too. And one of the things I share about my testimony is that I struggled through a lot of those early years of anger in my parenting and in my marriage for that exact reason, because there was a stigma attached to it. I did not want anybody to know that this was my struggle. And now everybody knows I'm writing and talking about it. So you're not going to feel any judgment from me. And one of the beautiful things from writing these books, and we have a Facebook group for moms called Gentle Parenting with Amber and Wendy on Facebook. And one of the beautiful things about that group with just thousands and thousands of moms in there is we have, we've slowly started to remove the stigma that this is something you can't let anybody know about. In fact, we tried to publish our parenting books traditionally early on and publishers wouldn't take it on because they believe nobody would be brave enough to buy a book that was about anger. Nobody would want people to know. And we found the exact opposite. People were so desperate for help. Yep. that they came flocking. And we, we want that to be true in people's marriages too. This is not something that you need to be ashamed out about because Satan is your enemy who wants to condemn you. Yeah. But godly conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. So yeah. we, we all can be convicted and confess our issues and ask for help. That is a very brave and godly thing to do. Yeah. And we want people to feel more and more comfortable with doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there are strategies when we step out of that, you know, silo of shame and into community, we can find the prayer covering and the accountability and the support 
to do mm. what needs to be done because any any hard heart or head work takes time. And so yes, uh, we, we ha- you know, from a science perspective, we have our neural pathways that have memorized the routes that we take when we are afraid and when we are overwhelmed and scared. And, you know, it's called um, the arousal continuum. Mm. And, and you were describing it earlier where we end up in fight, flight, or freeze mode. And I've learned this all through the equine-assisted training that I'm going through and it has a trauma focus. And so there are some people, like you said, who under a state of alarm are going to act out and pick a fight. Mm -hmm. And there are people who under a state of alarm are going to withdraw and back up. And, and one of the challenges in a marriage, especially that, that is true in my marriage is I always end up on the fight side and my husband ends up on the withdrawal side. That's us too. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yep. and what happens with that is the withdrawal person feels like they, I, I don't want to put words in my husband's mouth, but he withdraws because he's feeling hopeless and defeated. But right. what gets noticed is the person who's acting out as the yeah. drama llama with the problem. Yes. And, and yet both are having reactions that are problems. This is true. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so, so- you know, within marriage triggers, the whole goal is to give you some new ways to start handling these triggers and making you aware that these are the things that you tend to do. Um, whether it is you're being the fighter or the withdrawer or whichever in between run the gamut, there are some biblical ways that we can reframe the way we think and the way we talk and the way we Mm -hmm. act in these moments. Yeah. And we don't want people to get overwhelmed because there's 31 triggers in this book. And some people are going to pick this up and go, yep, yep. We're not on the same page in parenting. We yes. both feel like our feelings are hurt. We're, we definitely are backseat drivers. I mean, they're going to be like, yes, all of these things. I don't even know where to begin. <clears throat> but the truth is um, when we start making even just small adjustments yeah. to, the, to even just our tone of voice, if we just mm-hmm. focused on our tone of voice or we just focused on a certain body language that we know is a trigger for our spouse or just little things, you yeah. know, it will make a big impact because I believe that the Lord, you know, it says that he, he searches the whole earth looking for people who are devoted to him so that he can strengthen their hearts. Like yeah. he's, he's eager and waiting and ready to strengthen our hearts, to strengthen our relationships. He's looking when my kids give me just an inkling of change mm. in the right direction I am excited and thrilled and ready to help them continue down that path. The same is true of our good father. He's willing to take even the smallest nuggets of faith and hope and trust in him and desire to be obedient and to, to make it blossom in ways that we can't even imagine. I've seen it over and over and over again. So um, there's a lot of hope because I know Lisa, a lot of people listening to this message are hurting. There's a lot of pain. I mean, we, we've, we're talking about lots of hopeful things and some simple things, but the bottom line is there's a lot of people who are aching, yeah. aching in their yeah. pain. Yeah. And I could just cry thinking about those people because I've been there so many times myself and it is crushing at times. And I want people to have hope and know yeah. that yeah. it doesn't have to be this way. It yeah. doesn't have to be this way. And the Lord can do it like that. He can. Yeah. It can take time for things to really turn around, but he can heal our hearts and he is a good father that's going to help us. 
That's so good. And, you know, I know we're going to turn to Ecclesiastes 7 because there's a, a particular verse you want to touch upon there. But I'm going to take us someplace else first because it came out of my my Bible reading this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm reading, um, if anybody's been listening to the podcast, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, she's doing that 90-day Bible reading plan. Nope, done with that one. Uh, and so New Year, new plan. And I'm reading the She Reads Truth Bible. Uh, and I'm going through, so that Bible reading plan in the back of this Bible has me in Genesis, Ezra, Matthew, and Acts. And in this passage in Ezra, which was fresh to me because I had just spent time in the Old Testament, uh, it's talking about um, the rebuilding of the temple. And I've, I found this so fascinating. Where is it right now? I need to turn it. Um, Ezra Chapter five, like the subheading says, rebuilding of the temple resumed. And every time I see that word rebuilding, I'm thinking about relationships. I just can't. Yes. I, I don't know a relationship that doesn't need some measure of rebuilding. And, and, <laughs> and so Haggai and Zechariah, the prophets are there and they're overseeing this rebuilding of the temple. Um, and they get to this place in Ezra seven. And I, this verse stood out to me, and, and it references what you were saying. Now, Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. This idea that, like, what are we determined to do if we're studied, you know, studying up on the ways of God and determined to obey it that's consistent with the heart of God and what he wants for us. But then flipping over to, um, where is it? Where is it? Uh, Ezra 8 talks about preparing to return. And so um, verse 21, just see if you guys can follow me here for a second. I proclaimed a fast by the Ahava River so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey for us, our dependents and all our possessions. So rebuilding and returning to what God has promised, right? I did this because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from enemies during the journey. Since we had told him, the king, the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and pleaded with our God about this, and he was receptive to our prayer. And so I just looked at that and I was working with a client in an area where she was worried about what is to come and, and how she's having trouble trusting in, in what God is going to do. And this, this principle of prayer and fasting of like, take it to the Lord and ask him from, uh, from the steps of read his word, study his word, bring it before the Lord, you know, pursue the discipline of fasting and then remember who God is that he is gracious to all who seek him. And so, you know, I don't know how they knew that he was receptive to their prayer. Like, I don't understand how that played out. But the next verses all talk about what they then did. Mm -hmm. They selected the 12 leading priests. They weighed out the silver. They weighed out the 24 tons of silver articles waiting. They said God is holy, reminding you know, them of who God is. They took charge of the silver. And then they set out. And in verse 31 says, we set out from the Ahava River on the 12th day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. We were strengthened by our God. Then mm -hmm. I just see this pattern of what you're describing with right. the shoe basket, <laughs> absolutely. Right? With That's it. who is God? What can I, you know, proclaim yes. as truth? You said it in the, the, you know, put it up on the whiteboard, know the word of God, proclaim it. And then 
do? Like, You're right. what is the action that needs to be set forth, believing in advance that God is going to be with you as you take the steps that are in front of you that you yes. can take? A- absolutely. It's a perfect text for exactly what we're talking about. I'm so glad you read that yeah. because it's true. I think we get ourselves tripped up when we read the word of God and we think, okay, well, I'm supposed to pray, I'm supposed to fast, but what am I supposed to do? And we forget that those are, those are the things, those are the active things. Yeah. And it's, it's this, when I come away from a time of fasting or just prayer and reading the word of God, and I have an issue before me, whether it's a trigger or a problem or something that I need to do and I'm not sure what it is, there's this period almost after you're done praying that's like an active waiting and looking, yeah. I like to call mm-hmm. it. It's just mm-hmm. an active waiting and then looking. And, and we have to trust that while we think those thoughts are our own, like, okay, well, what could I do? If, if we can't find the shoes, what can I do to keep all the shoes in one place? Like those are God ideas. You know, mm-hmm. th- those are the, it's okay, well, let's get a basket. It's just like them. It's like, let's weigh the things that we need to do. Like, you know, they, they moved to action. Yes. And you have to trust that whatever the th- ideas that come your way or the things that you do, that God is leading you in those yeah. things. Yeah. And yeah. so as long as they're not contrary to the word of God, right. then, then you just need to keep going in that direction and, and trust the Lord. You've invited him to be a part of those everyday moments. He yeah. is a part of those everyday moments. Yes. So it, it, we can rest in that. That brings a lot yeah. of peace. It does. Yeah. It does. And for, for those who are like, yeah, but I need, I need to do something. Well, you got plenty to do, but right. is your heart in the right place? Is your framework where it needs to be that this isn't mm-hmm. just the shoe basket that's going to solve the, the great problem, right. but it's God working in you as you seek him for a solution and he strengthens you and the shoe basket becomes a reminder of yeah. his provisions. Yeah. Because it's the people that matter. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's the spouse and it's the child who we're in relationship with in a very sovereign way. God yeah. brought these children into our lives, whether yeah. they're adopted or biological, they're ours for a reason. God brought them the spouse, you know, the, the moment you said, I do to your spouse, it became yeah. a match made in heaven. That yeah. is your soulmate. Once you've said, I do, you know? And so those are the people that there's the, the being late, all those things are just secondary. Yeah. It really is. How am I supposed to love the people that God has in my everyday life in moments? Mm. How am I to be my whole purpose in life is to become more like Christ and to love my neighbor as myself, yeah. to love God, to love my neighbor. And so if all of these things are preventing me from exemplifying Jesus and loving my children yeah. and my husband, then there are problems that, that I need to work on. I need yeah. to invite the Holy Spirit to help me yeah. with. So we don't want to lose sight. You know, the, the, it matters. These people yeah. in our lives matter. It's hard, holy work, but it matters. <laughs> it is hard, holy work. Yeah, I have, I have a little story that came to mind as you were saying that. So one of the struggles in my marriage um, has been my husband's love language is affection and touch. And one of the ways that he conveys support is touch. And I growing up in an abusive home, touch was not, uh, is like not a thing. It is now, but we've been married 23 years. It was not for many years. 
and I'm very task oriented, not relationship oriented. Yes. So if I'm stressed and I'm washing the dishes and I'm trying to get breakfast on the table and I'm starting to get all dysregulated in that and my husband would come up to me and just put his hands on me to kind of show me love, I'd be like, don't touch me and flick yeah. him off yeah. and, and continue on the task. It, it took probably, we were seven years into our marriage when we went through our like first real heavy round of trying to figure out how to communicate better and how to right. show respect to one another and honor one another. And so I had learned, had to learn, had to grow in when his hands go on my shoulder, I go like this. I yeah. drop all utensils, I drop the sponge and I just <laughs> lean into it and I say, thanks. Mm-hmm. It, it, to this day, it is still not necessarily second nature to do that. It's right. a choice. So the irony of all this is that my daughter's in a a relationship with a really wonderful young man and he spent a lot of time with us over the holidays uh, and we were getting ready to get out of the house together. Leah's packing up lunches for us to get ready to go and she's she's in her agitated state just like her mama gets (laughs) and he comes up to her and starts rubbing her back and she has the same reaction to him that I had Uh and I was like, oh no. And I'm like, now did she learn that from me? Because I've not done that in like 15 years or 10 right. years. So like, mm-hmm. is, did she pick that up when she was a toddler and, and a young girl? Or is that her nature? Right? The like our nature versus nurture, nurture debate. The nature versus nurture debate. Yes. Right? Yep. And yet, you know what? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Really, what matters is thinking of others before we think of ourselves. And and yeah, is she entitled to that reaction? The world would say she's entitled to that. She can say mm-hmm. when she wants somebody to touch her or not touch her or what she mm-hmm. wants. To but if this is a, a relationship that is going to grow out of sacrificial love uh, unto the Lord, then yeah. what is a better reaction to that? And God has, has taught me, um, teaching me, uh, choose my words and my timing carefully. So at the moment, I kept my mouth shut. Because I figured yeah. that was not going to help the situation. Mm, right. But later on, when she and I were alone, I'm like, you know, that moment mm. when, you know, B touched your back and you kind of reacted to that. I'm like, that was so familiar to me. Yes. And she goes, I know, I was just getting things done. And I'm like, well, can I share with you a perspective? She's like, sure. I'm like, do you ever see that with me and daddy? She goes, no. I was like, because yes, (laughs) I have learned the art of not allowing that to become a point of division with us. That is an opportunity to take a a moment when I do feel triggered because the trigger isn't him. The trigger is, are we going to get out of the house on time? Am Mm. I going to remember everything? Or maybe Mm -hmm. it's the event that we're going to or whatever it is. And and Mm. saying, nope, this relationship, which is what you were saying is more important Mm. than the task. And Lisa, it's a full circle moment right now because when we started this conversation, we talked about our backgrounds and the generational things that occur in our families. And what you just described is just another work of the Holy Spirit and an answer to prayer to break that generational curse and pattern in your family specifically because you have become wise you have allowed the Holy Spirit to transform and change you, to receive that as a loving touch and communication and message. 
And you now have in your, in that wisdom, mm-hmm. been able to pass that on to your daughter. That's a generational blessing that's oh. happening right there in that moment. And that is so incredibly um, rich. And, and what hope for everybody who's listening, for all of us to see, that's what God can do. That's yeah. what God can do in a heart that's willing to listen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the little things in our families. Oh, I receive it. <laughs> I receive that. I mean, because I, I, haven't, I, haven't I haven't processed it that way. I've just processed it. You know, the enemy ha- has brought it to my mind, you know, enough times from condemnation. Like, how did I screw up? What did I do? Why is she reacting that way? Did I, did I model the wrong thing? And yet mm-hmm. the Lord has mm-hmm. been pulling in me into, is that truth? Right? Right. I don't speak those mm-hmm. words over you right now. You mm-hmm. handled that the, by, by my power and by my might. You are mm-hmm. a work in progress. You could not be perfect. I am perfect. Right. <laughs> and, and continue to seek me and let me transform you. And I will transform your legacy. And so, you know, yes. onward and upward, right? That's right. Yeah. Satan, uh, Satan, you know, Satan's been Satan a long time. He's oh, really yeah. good at telling us things to try to not see the blessing in yeah. these moments of what God is doing. He yeah. will always try to condemn us, but God's been God longer. God, God's been God a long time and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, and he is so faithful to help us. And, and this is why community and conversations and relationships are so important, yeah. Lisa, because yeah. others can see the blessing of the things that we are doing well by God's yeah. grace yeah. and, and able to help us see those things. And, and that's why, um, you know, it's, it's such a, um, an amazing thing to have community, even if it's yeah. online, like yeah. this or over the yeah. airwaves, because the Holy spirit is not limited, <laughs> but that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I do want to read that one verse that, that you had, because it it Mm is a, um, is a good one is a good one. So would you go ahead and share with us from Ecclesiastes? I know the key verse you had there was nine. So pick up wherever you think gives the most context to that. Okay. Well, you know, I'm actually gonna, um, I'm going to start at, this is chapter seven. I'm going to read verse five and I'm going to read through um, a little ways. Okay. So let's, let's pick up at verse five. It says, it is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the Mm. song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot. So is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise man into a fool and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. Mm. And then this is the key verse here. It's just talking about the differences all through this whole book, but really in this chapter about the differences between foolish behavior and behavior that is wise. And it says in verse nine, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. Verse 10, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it Mm. is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom like an inheritance is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. And then verse 13, consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Mm. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. So 
really mm -hmm. the essence here is look the there's going to be foolish people in our lives we're going to act foolish sometimes but we have the wisdom of god at our disposal mm -hmm. um, and we need to be careful about our behavior and what we do but verse nine is so key for really my entire ministry because it says do not be quickly provoked in your spirit mm. how many times are we just so quick to react to yeah. the triggers in our lives whether it's our kids or our spouse for some of us the very first thing we need to do is just slow down yeah. in our thinking and in our words to just breathe just to i call it a holy pause yes some of us just need to start practicing if you need to do one thing right now to help you with your triggers practice physically doing a holy pause that's what you do when your husband comes up and puts yes. his arms around you just do a holy pause and just breathe for a minute yeah. don't be quickly provoked in your spirit it says for anger resides in the lap of fools lisa when i think about my marriage when i think about my children when i think about the legacy i want to leave as a christ follower at no point does the word fool or foolish come into the image of what i would no. desire people remember me by or my children remember me as a mom i do not want to be considered fool a fool yeah. at all yeah. and the bible is clear that when we're quickly provoked in our spirit and if we're angry people then we are fools yeah. and that's a little scary to me and that was one of the verses early on that woke me up to really yeah. stop and start reflecting and thinking through some of these issues and what the lord would have me replace my anger with what yeah. he would have me do in my triggered moments. And I think a really good first place to begin is to just ask the Lord to help you discipline yourself to do a holy pause, yeah. to just breathe. Yeah. And then think about what that verse is that you're meditating on, about kindness being on your tongue or about yeah. being patient yeah. or about giving your husband or wife what they do not deserve. That's called grace. Give them mm. what they don't deserve in that moment, whatever it is that you're working on but do that holy pause, slow down. Don't be so quick to react. Think I'm no longer a reactor. I'm a responder and I'm going to respond with the fruit of the spirit. And if I mess up and I take a step backwards, any lies I hear about how awful I am and how it's too late and how messed up I am, that's my enemy. I'm not going to listen to him. Mm. Instead, I'm going to be convicted. I'm going to allow that conviction to catapult me towards growth because the triggers are going to still come. But mm. we get a new opportunity every time to mm. continue to respond and to be a blessing in our homes and to our neighbors. Mm. Good word. Good, good, good word. I'm going to leave it at that. No need Sounds to add. Good. I love <laughs> okay. it. So, Amber, would you um, tell us first, before we close out in prayer, where people can find you online and where yeah. they can find Marriage Triggers and, and Triggers, the parenting book? Okay, great. So you can find um, all of my books uh, on Amazon and also um, Marriage Triggers wherever books are sold. It's going to be releasing on January 28th of okay. 2020. Okay. So it's available for pre-order now. And we're actually, we haven't announced this anywhere yet. So this okay. will be the first time, but we're going to be doing an online Facebook group study with marriage triggers starting on March 15th for any and everybody who would like to join. And so if they go to my, my blog, my website, um, yeah. you just Google Amber Leah, L I A is my last name or mother of nights. I've got these four little nights, K N I G H. Yeah. yeah. So that's my blog, mother of nights. If you go there and sign up for my newsletter, um, you'll get all the announcements of, of when the book study is going to start 
and all the information there. But you can also find me on Instagram, Amber Leah, and on Facebook, my Mother of Nights author page, and on Pinterest and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And that Facebook group, if you're a mom and you struggle with um, anger and frustration in your parenting, you can go to Gentle Parenting with Amber and Wendy and request to join that Facebook group. That's awesome. I love it that there's so many resources to help a very real problem. I mean, it yeah. just, it is real it is. and it doesn't have to have a stigma any longer. We can find the hope and nope. the help we need. Yes. Go ahead. Would you yeah. uh, feel good about praying us out? I sure would. I'd love to. Let's okay, pray. Great. Heavenly father, I thank you for Lisa. She is clearly a woman that you have given a lot of wisdom to. And Lord, I praise you that even in her own family and in her, her legacy and her generational heritage, that you have done a new work mm. and that she is a new creation. And Lord, that same offer and opportunity is available to every one of us, Lord, because you are a God who is continually creative, is continually willing and able to strengthen us and to help us and to change the direction of our lives for good. And so, Lord, I pray for every listener right now. I pray that they would be, be really taking to heart, especially your word that we shared. Um, that is the only thing, Lord, that is really going to transform us. Um, a lot of us just want our circumstances to change, Lord. But that may not be um, really a possibility right now, Lord, because you, you're more concerned about changing our hearts than our circumstances. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would do that, um, that you would start to soften any heart that needs softening right now. Um, that you would help us not to be foolish reactors toward our triggers. Instead, help us to be godly, gentle, biblical responders. And so, Lord, would you um, would you just give hope to those who are listening right now who are really hurting and who really need some encouragement. Bring us into community, Lord, like Lisa shared about. And help us, Lord, to look for ways to help others carry their burdens and to be willing to let others carry ours that we would not rob one another of rest in you. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your precious and worthy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. We did. We did church here. My eyes yeah, are, we did. Are, are wet. That's thank you, so everyone. Good. So good. Thank you, everyone, for listening with us today, for being with us. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time, just as we have. Uh, this podcast is made possible through your financial support. To become a valuable supporter, visit the More To Be shop and join the sisterhood. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.